Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Now I'd like to welcome Sharon Kissel to the stage. Sharon is going to be bringing us the message, and I'm so privileged. We are all privileged to be able to hear her. I've known Sharon for 10 years, and she's been a wonderful friend, a great asset. We've worked together here at Quest, and uh, she's been at seminary um, for the last few years. Three. Three years. Wow. And um, she's going to share with us this morning. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor. And, and so I'm excited to, to hear her again this morning. So welcome Sharon with me. Thank you, Jeremy. That was very kind of you, Jeremy. Thank you very much. So it's so nice to be here with my friends that I know and my friends that I don't know yet. And I look forward to all God has in store for us here today. So I just get adjusted. So have you ever been going through a really difficult time in your life? And you read the Bible where it says God will never leave you or forsake you. But if you're really honest with yourself, you're feeling pretty forsaken. Or have you ever had a bad habit that no matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't kick it. It just kept seeming to defeat you and defeat you and defeat you. Or have you ever met another Christian who seemed so vibrant and so alive, no matter what the circumstances were going on around them, and you knew they had something you didn't, but you didn't know what it was, and you didn't know how to get it. Today, we're going to talk about what should be our experience as followers of Christ versus what often is our experience as followers of Christ. And that difference is the missing link, the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are, our awesome, loving, heavenly Father. And I thank you for the gift of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you for the gift of your spirit. And today, Father, as we seek to understand more about the Holy Spirit and this life in Christ that you have promised us, I ask, Father, that you would give us teachable spirits, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand, that you would come and put your power on my teaching and on my words. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you in advance for all the ways that you're going to move in power this day. In Jesus' name. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 24:49. That's going to be our grounding scripture for today. And I'll just read it. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Wait a minute. This is Jesus talking. I thought Jesus was the promise. As we go through the Advent season, we read all these prophecies in the Old Testament about the promised Messiah, that he's going to come. And in this passage, he's already come, and he's brought the kingdom of God. He's proclaimed it. He's demonstrated it with power. He's died on the cross for our sins. He's ascended from the dead, and he's walked the earth 40 days. I thought he was the promise. This is the missing link. 
This is the missing link. The good news of Jesus, the gospel, has two parts. The gift of the Messiah and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in this passage in Luke 24, 49, Jesus knows it's the last time that he's going to see his followers until he sees them face to face in heaven. This is a solemn and a sacred moment. Have you ever been by the bedside of a loved one that's dying? Have you ever taken a loved one who's in the military about to be deployed overseas to the airport? Have you ever taken a child to college for the first time? The words imparted in those moments are important. It's something the other person is going to need to carry them forward. And that's what Jesus is doing in this passage. He is telling his followers, this is something you're going to need to live a victorious Christian life. This is something you're going to need to live out the call that I've put on you. So go to the city and wait. Go to the city and wait. Remember who Jesus is talking to, too. He's talking to people who have lived with him in intimacy for three years. They've not only seen him work signs, wonders, and miracles, they have been sent out on a missionary journeys by him. They've experienced the power of God flowing through them to other people. These are not novices to the supernatural. And yet he's telling them, go and wait. Go and wait. So let's look at the first part of this verse again. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. That word promise in Greek is apagalia, and it means the covenant promise of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus is saying here, I am not the covenant promise. I am sending the covenant promise. Some of my friends are probably getting a little uncomfortable because that's a really bold claim. Yes, it is. So let's search the scriptures together because what we believe must be found in the word of God. Otherwise, we're going to get off track. So let's turn to Isaiah 59. We'll start at 59.20. A redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgressions, declares the Lord. Well, this grounding scripture in Luke 24.49, that's already happened. The Redeemer, Jesus, has come to Zion, Israel, and all of those who have believed he is the Messiah, have turned and followed him, now have salvation. That's already taken place. That's already taken place. But the Old Testament prophet goes on to tell us more about what's going to happen after that. He says, And as for me, this is my covenant with them, I'm going to put my spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring from this time forevermore. The Holy Spirit is the everlasting covenant promise. Let's look at Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. I'll just read a little bit of that. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law within them 
and I will write it on their hearts. And Ezekiel shares some more details with us. He says, I will put my spirit within you and you will live. You will live. You will have life abundantly. You will have the power to overcome the things that come against you. You will live. So in this solemn and sacred moment here in our grounding scripture, Jesus, the promised Messiah, is saying he's going to send the covenant promise. You see, in the years I was walking in powerless Christianity, I only understood one part of the gospel. I only understood that Jesus was the son of God, the Messiah, who had died for my sins on the cross, and when I died, I was going to be in heaven with him. But that's only part of the truth. And if we don't understand, as followers of Christ, that the good news of the gospel has two parts— we are going to live a life far below what Jesus died to give us, far below what's available. So let's look at the second half of that verse. It says, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That word power in Greek is spelled either dunamis or dynamis, but it means the same thing. It means the strength, the might, the heavenly power, the miraculous power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That is what is available to live a Christian life. You know, and the word clothed in that passage, it's, it's temporal. It's real. Like when you're wearing clothing, you know it's touching you. That this is an event that you know is going to happen. It's going to happen. So I like to think of it like this. The gift that God gave us at Christmas, we've just celebrated with Jesus, the Messiah, reminds me of this. Which one of my young friends can tell me what this is? Let's go ahead. It's okay. You can holler in church. Candy cane. Yeah. And if I turn it like this, it's a J for Jesus. And what it reminds me of, the red reminds me of Jesus' blood that was shed that actually implemented the covenant promise. It made it possible. Without his death, we couldn't have had that. And the white reminds me of the Holy Spirit, that raw power of God that comes and is available to us, that in Jesus, there are two parts to our gospel. But there's something else we need to pause and we need to reflect on because it's important and we don't want to miss this. In John 20, 22, it's that 40-day period where Jesus has risen from the dead and he's walking the earth. He has not yet ascended to heaven. And in John 20, 22, it says he breathed on his disciples and he gave them the Holy Spirit. You see, in our grounding passage here in Luke 24, 49, they already have the Holy Spirit. Selah. Stop and ponder. Just like when I was a little girl in my liturgical church where we said lots of creeds and I accepted Jesus in my heart and I was baptized by sprinkling, I got the Holy Spirit. And again in college when I was in my evangelical church and I confirmed that commitment and I was baptized by immersion, I still had the same Holy Spirit. 
They've got the Holy Spirit. And yet when Jesus says, go to the city and wait until you're clothed with power from on high, they don't question him. They just obey and they go. So Joel chapter 2 says there's going to come a specific point in human history where there will be an outpouring of the Spirit. So what's that going to look like? Well, Isaiah tells us over here in chapter 59 what it's going to look like. He says, He will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives. And let's flip over here to Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4 and see what actually happened. And suddenly... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Wow, that's got a familiar ring to it. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the second time they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's the empowering they needed to change the world. They got it in that event. How do I know that? Well, there's a number of ways I know it, but one of them is right here in chapter 2 in the same verse, right after the Spirit comes, Peter, who 50 days before had cowardly betrayed Jesus on the night he dies, suddenly stands up. He realizes he's living in a historical reality that what the prophets of the Old Testament have said is now happening. It's coming true in their midst. So he starts over here in Acts 2.32, speaking to the crowd, declaring truth. And he says, this Jesus God raised up, And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are now seeing and hearing. What he's saying is that what Jesus just told us in Luke 24, 49 is just, it's happening. It's happening. We're living it right here, right now. And then he goes on over here a little bit later to to talk about and reference that verse in Isaiah, that this is the promise given for you and for your children. He understands and he recognizes the moment he lives in. And he calls the people to repentance, to believe in this King Jesus who's been raised from the dead. He says, repent. And be baptized, and you too can have this empowering. And 3,000 people did that day. But there's more. Over here in Acts chapter 4, the disciples had gone out. They'd been proclaiming. They'd been demonstrating the gospel. And they came up against some barriers. They came up against some problems that they just couldn't overcome. And so what did they do? They remembered what Jesus had told them to do, and they went and they prayed. And in Acts chapter 4, 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place that they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the third time they have received and have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a saying, and I don't know who said it. It says, the way into the kingdom is the way on. 
And there's truth in that. There's real truth in that. And to me, that's good news because I often come up against things in life that are barriers that I just can't seem to get past, that I don't know what to do. And so I know from their example that I can pray. I can go to the Father and I can pray and the Holy Spirit is going to give me exactly what I need just the way he gave that to the early followers. And to me, that's really encouraging because I need that. I need that. You know, coming from a liturgical and evangelical background, I didn't have any grid for understanding the Holy Spirit. Everything I've learned, I've learned by experience, and I've learned by searching the scriptures. Because what we believe must be grounded in the infallible word of God, or we're going to get off track. So I'm going to switch gears here, and I'm just going to share some stories of encounters I've had with the Holy Spirit in hopes that some way this might help you, give you insight, or encourage you. So if you've been around Quest for, you know, any time at all, you may have heard me tell this first story. But it's worth repeating because it's the story that changed not only the trajectory of my life, it changed the trajectory of my entire family. So I'm in my mid-30s and I'm living this powerless Christianity. And if you had looked at my life from the outside, it, I mean, I had married the man of my dreams. And I had two small, beautiful, wonderful children that I loved. And I was an entrepreneur. But on the inside, I was empty. There was something missing. And I was going through difficult time in my marriage. I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to cope with that. And I was drinking too much to cope with that. And one night, I just came to the end of myself. And on the floor of my bedroom, I cried out to God and the Holy Spirit came. I was engulfed in the love of God. And it changed my life forever. I got up from that experience a changed person. And I started the next day a habit I've done for the last 20 years. And that is spending time in the presence of God every day. And sometimes that might look like reading my Bible. It might look like praying, worshiping, listening to the word of the Lord. That doesn't matter. What's important is that I'm in the presence of the Father. And it's in that place I have learned to hear the voice of God. I have learned to hear the Holy Spirit. I've learned to get the guidance I need to help my marriage, to help raise my children, to help get breakthrough at work. It's in that place of intimacy that has come. The second thing that happened from that encounter was I was completely, 100% set free from cravings for alcohol. I've never had another one since. And the third thing that I got out of that experience was I was filled with this insatiable hunger for more of God. I have spent the last 20 years pursuing God. And that has looked like, you know, not just the presence every day. It's looked like going to classes. It's looked like going to conferences, going on ministry trips, serving in my city, loving my neighbor. It's looked like a lot of different things, but it's been a pursuit of God. I made it the goal of my life to know God and to do his will. And if I could give any advice to a young believer, a new believer, someone who's you know struggling with a hard time, it would be these two things. It would be, Make an appointment with the Lord every day and keep it. 
And second, pursue God. Pursue God. So the second event happened years later. It's November of 2016. My husband and my oldest son and I went to a conference in Urbana, Illinois, at the Vineyard of Central Illinois. The conference was called Awaken to Destiny, and the keynote speaker was Dr. Randy Clark. On day one of the conference, Randy gets up and talks about something. At the end of the time, they have ministry time. And Randy says these three little words. He says, come Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, bam, the raw love and power of God hit that room in a way I had never seen before in my entire life. And all of a sudden, bodies start falling all over the floor, which, by the way, is biblical, I found out. You know, and it says in the Old Testament, when the Spirit of God descended on the tabernacle, Moses couldn't even get through the door. And when the Spirit of God descended on the temple, the priests couldn't stand. That's what's happening when people are getting what they call slain in the Spirit. That raw love and power of God is hitting them with such force they can't even stand up. So there are bodies all over the floor, and I'm, you know, wanting to know what happens. So I make my way to the front of the venue and I get in front of the stage and I just sit down and I turn around and I just start watching what's happening in the room and I close my eyes and I listen and I do this for over an hour and what I saw was the loving heavenly father coming to his children and bringing healing he was healing people physically spiritually and emotionally There was the sound of heaven in this room. It was a holy awe and a wonder. And God was also equipping and anointing other people for calls and for ministry. It was truly holy ground, and it was amazing. That was a corporate encounter I've had with the Holy Spirit. I also had a personal encounter at this conference. Day two of the conference. They call for ministry time, and I often just go forward for prayer, whether I need prayer or not, because I want to know what God God might have to say to me. So I go forward for prayer to this young woman who had no idea what she was getting into, because neither one of us could have known what was going to happen next. She puts her hand on my shoulder, she starts to pray for me, and all of a sudden I am hit by the conviction of God. And I knew in that moment that I had to repent for the way that I had treated my husband during those difficult years of marriage. I didn't want to repent. I kind of liked my self-righteous attitude. I liked the fact that I believed I was 100% right and he was wrong. But you know what? And we'd long ago solved our marital problems. I mean, those were years before. We'd worked that out. But I apparently hadn't repented. And the Lord drew a line. And I knew I wasn't crossing that line until I repented. Now, this was not about my salvation. I was a born-again, spirit-filled child of God. This is not about salvation. This is about me going into deeper intimacy with the Lord. And I'm not crossing that line unless I repent. 
James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. So I repented. And the minute I started repenting, these just like blood-curdling wails and crying just start pouring forth out of me. I can't control them. They're just bursting forth. And it went on for like more than an hour. Every time I think I was getting it under control, another one would just come bursting out of me. That too was the Holy Spirit. And I got up from that experience and I just felt like free. And I had this deeper love for my, for my husband than I'd ever had before in the entire time I'd known him. And I had a deeper intimacy with God. It was amazing. It was amazing. Confess your sins. Pray for one another that you might be healed. So, in the spring of 2017, I decided to go on a ministry trip to Brazil. You see, I'd heard Brazil was in revival. And if what I'd experienced in Urbana was not revival, I wanted to see what revival looked like. And the leader of this particular ministry trip was a man named Blaine Cook. He'd been John Wimber's right-hand man in the early days of the vineyard. And I wanted to learn from Blaine Cook. And of course, I wanted more of the Holy Spirit for myself. So on these ministry trips, um, the team visits two to three churches a day. Some of them have hundreds of people. Some of them have thousands of people. And in the course of this seven days, I had seen thousands of people hit by the power of God, healed. It was incredible. It was amazing. There's so many stories I could tell, but I'm going to make three points. The first night we get there, they take the ministry team and they gather us in a room and they do prayer and impartation over us because we're the ones that are going to go out and minister to the thousands of people that we're going to see this week. So Blaine gets up and he says those three little words, Come, Holy Spirit. And all of my teammates are on the floor. Everyone except me. I'm standing there not feeling a thing. And I'm thinking, I flew all the way across the equator to Brazil. And they're on the floor experiencing this love and power of God. And here I stand. I was pretty upset. But I decided just to join the Lord in what he was doing. And I started praying for my teammates. Clearly, he was working. And I learned from that experience to keep seeking God even when you don't see results. Keep seeking God even when you don't see results. Because that wasn't the first time, the last time that's ever happened to me. The next thing was I learned more about the power of worship. You know, I'd understood Psalm 22.3 said, God dwells in the praises of his people. And as we gather here together as the body of Christ, as the children of God, you know, we can experience more of his love. We can experience just, just this special presence that comes. And in this atmosphere of revival in Brazil, it just seemed like there was no boundary between heaven and earth. It just seemed like they became one. But this one particular night, I raised my hands to worship the Lord as is mentioned in the Bible. And all of a sudden, it was like Psalm 42, 7, deep connected to deep. 
I mean, I was just taken into this awesome, loving, like, presence of God. I just, words really can't describe it, but there's just this, it was powerful connection, this loving presence. And about 30 minutes later, when the worship music stopped, I opened my eyes, and all around me, it looked like a war zone. You see, I'd started this worship session in all these rows of metal chairs surrounded by my teammates and all the people that came to this conference to hear. And when I opened my eyes, every one of the chairs was gone and the floor was just covered with bodies and the people from the stage were staring our direction. None of this had anything to do with me. The Holy Spirit is the one who drew me into that presence of God and he was touching all those around me in different ways. It was just God coming to his people, loving on his people. But I realized at that time that worship releases the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that worship is spiritual warfare. The next time you're feeling pressed on every side, start praising Jesus out loud and watch what happens next. Watch what happens next. So as this ministry trip's drawing to an end, I still haven't gotten what I came for. I came for more of God. And I am seeking God every night after ministry time. I am up out of bed early in the morning seeking God. And in the afternoons, we would have a break between our morning ministry time and our evening ministry time. And I wasn't out touring Brazil. I was in my room seeking the face of the Lord. And on March 26, 2017, I'm in my room in that afternoon, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes to me in this vision. Now, a vision is like a dream, except you're awake. And he asked me these three questions. And when I said yes to the three questions, all of a sudden, this I only know how to describe it like this. Liquid waves of love just started pouring through my body. And my body was physically raised off the bed as these would pour through me. That too was the Holy Spirit. And I got up. This went on a long time until it was time for me to get on the bus and go minister again that night. And I get on the bus and I sit down and all of a sudden everyone around me just starts breaking out in this laughter. They were what you call drunk in the Holy Spirit, which too, by the way, is biblical. At Pentecost, the onlookers thought the followers of Christ were filled with new wine. Acts 2.13. And these people were laughing so hard and so loud and my friend sitting next to me on the bus and was... I mean, she was in pain. She was laughing so hard. But at some point, she was able to stop laughing long enough to say to me, I don't think I've ever in my entire life felt joy before now. You see, that too was the Holy Spirit. He was coming to his people with laughter, ministering to them in just the way they needed it. He's so good, and he comes in so many ways. You know, Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and you will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. Keep seeking 
God keep saying yes to Jesus because the way into the kingdom is the way on. It is the way on. But honestly, some of my favorite ways of experiencing the Holy Spirit are right here in the School of Kingdom Ministry at Quest. That's a class we offer here every fall. It's a nine-month class. It meets once a week. It runs for three hours a night. And the first, not, the first hour is this teaching by Putty Putman. It's always a great teaching. And the second two hours, we just spend time doing activations in the Holy Spirit. And we learn, you know, we learn to minister through, we learn to hear the voice of God. We learn to minister through prayer. We learn to get words of knowledge. We learn to do prophecy. And as, as one of the leaders, I always know what the activation is going to be. But I never know how the Holy Spirit's going to show up. I just know he's going to come. Because Luke eleven thirteen says, How much more will your heavenly Father send the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, when you ask God for the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit and not something else. And he comes week after week, faithfully just loving his people, speaking to them, teaching them to hear his voice, working through them, bringing healing. You know, sometimes he comes to them by heat, by electricity, by shaking. Sometimes they don't, you know, feel his presence at all, but we can see his, his presence on them. It too is holy, holy ground. A friend of mine who's actually here visiting today, Steve, recently shared with me um, that he and his wife used to do these potluck prophecies where after the dinner that they would get two people, they would pair the people off into pairs and they would just say to the people, ask the Holy Spirit for a scripture verse for the other person and then ask the Holy Spirit why. I mean, that's such an easy thing to do in a small group, just to learn to hear the voice of God because New Testament prophecy is always positive. It's always uplifting. And uh, he said the Spirit would always come. But the Holy Spirit, as wonderful as it is that the Father comes to us and he loves on us and he heals us and he does that because he loves us, the Holy Spirit's also given unto something band you can go ahead and come on up now and that unto something is the advancement of the kingdom of God now advancing the kingdom of God can take on a lot of forms you know serving our neighbors serving our, loving our city a lot of forms and I'm going to share two experiences of what that's looked like in my life so November of 2016 I'm at healing on the streets on Morse Road here in Columbus, Ohio, we're doing an outreach to Somalian Muslims. And I'm standing in front of the Global Mall and I'm talking to this Muslim man and he's having a really difficult time understanding the Trinity. So I start explaining to him, the Trinity is kind of like, try to think of it like H2O. H2O is one substance we can experience in three forms. I said, you know, we can experience H2O in its liquid form as water, and we can drink it. We boil the water and the vapor comes, we can experience H2O as a vapor. Or we can freeze H2O and we can experience it as ice. And the minute I said the word ice, it started hailing on this sunny November day. 
And the man and I were standing there looking at one another in total shock. It hailed for like 30 seconds and there was ice all over the ground. You see, that was the that was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was confirming for this Muslim man who was truly seeking truth that Jesus is more than a prophet. He is more than a teacher. He is the son of God. He is the risen Lord. He is the king of kings and he has given his spirit. And that of course didn't have anything to do with me. I can't make it hail. Mark 16, 17 says, signs will follow those who believe. Those who believe what? Those who understand that Jesus is the risen king and understand the gospel has two parts. That spirit has been given. It's available for all followers of Christ. And the last story I'm going to share with you um, took place right here in the hospitality room at Quest last spring. I have a friend who brought her son in for prayer. And at this time, he's like late 20s, early 30s. But as a little boy, he'd been injured in a baseball accident and it had injured his shoulder. And over the years, he'd had repetitive multiple injuries to this shoulder. He was in pain and he was facing having to have another surgery. So we put him between us. We, you know, we pray a few words. We invite the Holy Spirit. We pray a few words, but really we're just letting him soak in the presence of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who heals people. And all of a sudden, this young man's arm just flies up like this. And he has a look of terror on his face because he's not moving his arm. Some else is moving his arm. And all of a sudden, it just goes right into place. That, too, was the Holy Spirit of God, the dunamis of God, the dynamis of God, the miracle-working power of God. That was it. So today we're going to end our service just a little bit differently. The band's going to play some instrumental music in a a few minutes. And I'm going to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to come. And he's going to come in even greater presence than he's here with us already. And I would encourage you to assume a posture of just receiving. To just close your eyes and open your hands. You know, Blaine Cook that I went to Brazil with said, a wise person lets the Holy Spirit come however he wants to come. And you know, there is something about our body posture that affects our mental attitude. If we are standing here with our arms crossed and tapping our feet, we are not open to what the Lord wants to do. or We're not open to receiving. So I'm just going to encourage you to close your eyes and open your hands. You guys can go ahead and start playing. And I'm just going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that you are our loving Heavenly Father, that you love us so much, that you are, you are here with us. And we thank you for the gift of Christ, the Messiah, your Son. And we thank you for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right now I just say, Holy Spirit, come. We are hungry for more of you. Pour out your love. Pour out your fire. Pour out your power on us. Come. Come.
We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.